0: Welcome to the Transformation Station, where your journey to a better life begins. Your hosts, Alex Sapala and Steve Kane, share quality, world class material that fuels personal growth and transformation. Poignant, practical, and replicable, they will inspire you on your journey to living the life of your dreams. Let's drop into their conversation now.
1: Welcome back everyone. Today we want to take a different track. We want to really talk about a topic which is so fundamental both in human behaviour as it is in leadership and that's the art of connecting. Our purpose for today's podcast is really to generally raise the awareness that leadership is a teachable skill and to give you some really practical information that you can apply right away. We want to convince you that if you're not already convinced that we are all leaders in one way or another. And leadership comes down to one thing, and that one thing is influence. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less, as John Maxwell says. And influence really hinges on our ability to connect
0: with people. If you live on your own in a cave and you never speak to another human being, maybe you don't need to develop your connecting skills, but everyone else does. Absolutely. If you want to improve your results, which is almost everyone, we all want to improve the results that we're getting in our lives. For a lot of people, it's money, more time, lifestyle, relationships, health. What I've come to realise is if you want to get better results, you've got to get better at getting on with people. Now, I'm talking about a father or a mother, a spouse, a son or daughter, someone who runs their own business, an employee, a manager, a vice president or CEO. It doesn't matter who you are, you can improve your results by improving your ability to connect and influence people in an ethical way. You want to improve your marriage? Connecting is going to make a huge difference. Want to get a promotion? You need to connect more with your boss or your customers or your peers or importantly your team. Want to improve your relationships with friends? It's it's all about connecting. You know, we
1: need people. You you can't do anything on your own in today's world. We need to be able to connect and influence other people to get on in this world. The friction that we experience in our day-to-day life comes down to leadership, connecting and influencing. And everything I'm talking to you about that we're going to discuss about over the course of the next 20 or 30 minutes is all 100% teachable skill. Which means that you can learn to connect, you can learn to lead, you can learn to improve your ability to influence people if you want to. I spend a great deal of time telling people that connecting with other people is a learnable skill and it's within your reach. It might be out of your comfort zone but it's within your reach. And the reason that learning to connect can make such a difference to your results, and I mean to all your results, is that it is such a neglected skill. Most people don't give any thought whatsoever to developing their ability to connect with other people, either because they don't see it as a skill, or maybe they just don't see it as important. And because they don't give it any thought, it's outside of their awareness. They're not conscious of the impact that it has on them. And this probably wouldn't be such a problem if people weren't so emotional. Human beings are emotional creatures at heart. We have an intellect. We kid ourselves that we are rational, logical human beings. That's a facade. We're actually emotional creatures. Emotions rule our lives. Why is this a problem? Or, how many of you have heard something like, he does that, he does that if you push his buttons? You need to know how to get on with getting on. We can all be logical in certain situations, but there are others that a certain trigger can flip our switch and we, we just can't help ourselves. The red cloud descends and our emotional storm blows through us. You've heard the expression, it's like herding cats. Well, that's people for you. Now, if we had more time, I'd love to go through with you my study and research into the mind and the role that beliefs play in people's lives, how what we believe is the cause of what we feel and experience. We blame it on the event of our life, but really it's not the event. It's how we see them that creates the feelings that we experience and how we see them is determined by our beliefs. It's a fascinating area. Let me just say something that I think we can all agree on. We're all different.
0: Some more different than others. But we are all different.
1: We experience the world very differently. Things that are critically important to one person, someone else doesn't care about. What winds one person up is not even noticed by another. We're all different. And so we need to connect with different people differently avoid the things that freak them out, and tap into the buttons that turn them on. And we could look at the psychology of this for days. But if you don't need to understand why the techniques of connecting work, you just need to understand the principles that underpin them and then apply them,
0: obviously. Some people connect intuitively. They have high interpersonal intelligence. They seem to value people automatically. Others recognize it as important, but lack the tools and the techniques. They need to learn to do what others do intuitively. And some people don't recognize connecting as, well, important at all. They think they can do it all on their own. They don't need other people. Why rely on others when it's quicker to do it yourself? If you want something done properly, that will only let you down anyway. So the better able we are to get on with other people, the better will be our results. Now, leadership, as you mentioned earlier, is influence and leadership is results through others. It's all about others. But the reason connecting is such a skill is it's much more complicated than just saying, I'm going to get more out of others. It's not something you can just decide or even legislate for. You have to connect with others to get the best out of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember I asked this question at a conference some time ago to help illustrate this point. What degree of your potential do you think that you are currently using right now for your work? How much of your God-given potential as a percentage are you currently using right now? 100%? 70%? 40%? Maybe less than that. Now, I'm talking about it from a purely work perspective at the moment. But you could ask the same question in relation to any area of your life. But at work, how much of what you are truly capable of is currently being used? Now I'm not gonna ask for a number or or anything like that, but just think about that for a moment. If you are only using 60% of your potential, how easily could you give another 20%? What's the block? How easy could it be removed? And what would it do for you and your workplace if you did this? What would it do for you, your team, your self-esteem? If you're enjoying it more, contributing more, achieving more, I'm not talking about working longer hours. I'm talking about being switched on all the time that you are working, really enjoying what you do, loving being part of the team and everyone pulling in the same direction. Everyone would win, wouldn't they, if they were all engaged to that degree? It doesn't matter where you where you sit in the hierarchy, everyone wins. You win, you grow, you develop at a much faster rate. Your peers win because you're a joy to be around, a source of inspiration. Your boss wins because you're a pleasure to manage instead of a nightmare. Your spouse and your kids win because they're happy when you're happy. When you feel good about yourself, everybody wins. Who is really responsible then? They're getting more out of the people in the team that you work with. Whose responsibility is it anyway? And who stands to benefit?
0: So, Alex, how do we get more out of the team then?
1: I think the fundamental thing is to understand is that people have a choice. They can choose how much to give to their workplace above the minimum line. It's pretty easy to document the contractual obligation of a role, but this is literally the tip of the iceberg of what the average individual is truly capable of. They can contribute way more than this if they choose to. Just think about some of the things people do outside of their job. You see, on top of their contractual obligations, they can choose to lend their discretionary goodwill. An employer can benefit from their creativity, their inspiration, their dogged determination. They can benefit from the employee buying into the spirit of the goal of the organisation, not just the letter of the law, which is the contractual obligation. An employee can easily give much, much more, but they can just as easily fall straight back to the minimum
0: line. Yeah, look, in fact, some people live below the line, don't they? Yeah. Forever pushing the boundaries, doing just enough to get fired, being paid just enough so they don't leave. What, what makes a difference?
1: Think of the people you know who are super committed. Why are they so committed? You might think, well, they're, they're more intelligent than anyone else. But a clever person will pit their wits against the company just as easily as they would with the company. And many don't do that, do they? It's not IQ. It's all passion. Well, they're just more passionate. But a passionate person can be passionately fight perceived injustice. It's not that either. Why are some employees more motivated than others? In his book, Freeing the Corporate Soul, Richard Barrett said, when employees find personal fulfillment, their productivity can be at least twice as high as when they don't. Twice as high.
0: Yeah, that's significant, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And he goes on to cite a study of 25,000 employees that found 39% of the variability of corporate performance is attributed to employee fulfillment. So 39% difference in the corporation's performance is attributed to your employee's sense of fulfillment.
0: And listen to this. This is a bit I find really interesting. 69% of employee fulfillment is attributed to the quality of the employee's relationship with their manager. Now, is that something that we can work on improving? Absolutely. But how many managers do? How many managers actively think about improving the quality of the relationship with their direct reports or, for that matter, their indirect reports? No need. Because they're being paid to do a job, right?
1: Well, think back to when you were at school. I know it's a bit of a stretch for some of us, but weren't there some teachers that you just connected with and some that you just couldn't you just couldn't bear? Weren't there some who made the topic really interesting and weren't there others who just didn't seem to have a clue as to how to present information in a way that didn't send you to sleep? They don't need to think about it. You have to go to school anyway. It's not like you have a choice, right? Wrong. We all have a choice. A choice whether to engage, a choice whether to do what we're capable of doing, or what the teacher or the boss or spouse or parent will accept as a minimum. So to summarise the finding, if we can improve the relationship between people in the team, and particularly between every manager and their team, if we can improve those relationships... It will have an enormous impact on the productivity of all the employees and on the corporation as
0: a whole performance. Well, let, let look at it this way. Here's the leader and here's the team. There's a relationship between every person and every other person in that team isn't there. Yeah. But the key relationships are these. And the health of those relationships determines the productivity of the organization. And if you think about it, when a company publishes its results, it is looking back in time saying, this is what we were doing then. But when you look at the health of the relationships in your organization, you're saying, this is what we are going to be doing in the future. It's a big difference here. Mm. And all companies spend a great deal of time measuring how much they've spent. But how many spend time measuring the state of key relationships? Most companies spend a lot of time and money developing technical skills of the team. How many spend time developing the connecting skills of the team? Yeah,
1: so important and it's such a contrast. Some organisations don't want to spend money on training at all. Rationale being, why should we spend money training people so that they leave? And it's true. There's only one thing worse than spending any money on training people – and then they leave, and that's not training them, and then they stay. So we can probably all agree after some thought that relationships really do matter. And most companies don't invest in developing relationships,
0: at least not enough. And some, on the other hand, do a lot. They're not the ones that object to this. See, once you've had exposure to the difference it can make, you're like, bring it on give me more. Any help, tools, techniques, and how to connect and communicate with people is it's all welcome. It's the ones with no awareness at all that tend to object because as we said earlier, they just don't recognize connecting as a skill or as an important one. But connecting with people is a learnable skill. Might be out of your comfort zone but it's definitely within your reach. Hmm. We spend a fair bit of time talking about why connecting is important because without understanding and accepting that, you're not going to be interested in how to develop your ability to connect.
1: So true. The why is such a fundamental part of everything, especially in the learning cycle. So let me now move on to talk to you about some practicalities of connecting skills. Let's put our stuff in
0: action. Does it work? Mate, at the end of the day, it's rubber meets the road. It counts, doesn't it? And
1: this is where the rubber's on the road, man. Obviously, there's more to connecting than we can cover in this small podcast today. And we dedicate a whole day, a one-day workshop, to really understand the principles of connecting. But let me just summarise them here for you now. Applying the principles is through the practices, some of the key practices today. This is something that interests you. If you've decided you're going to improve your people skills, your ability to connect, then you have some tools that you can use right away. The first thing anyone who wants to connect with other people needs to realize is that connecting is all about others. If we want to connect with other people, we need to realize it's not about us. It's about them. And it's not about them so that you can get them to do what you want them to do for you. It's about them. And then guess what? You'll find that you get what you want as a byproduct. You see, there's a fundamental shift in perception that needs to take place in order to begin to progress for most people. We need to stop asking, what can they do for me? And we need to start asking, what can I do for them? We need to stop saying to ourselves, what have they got that I want? And start asking, what have I got that they want?
0: So we have to go from putting ourselves at the center of everything to putting others at the center. Fantastic.
1: And that is so true. Connecting is all about others. It really is. My own journey of trying to understand this took me 15 years. I went from thinking, it was all about me to pretending it was all about them but still secretly thinking it's all about me to eventually realising that actually it really is all about them. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that. No, I don't think I am. And if you say that I am, then you probably haven't been honest with yourself. (laughs) That's right. And the shift then in the nature of your relationships – When you realize this, that it's all about them, that you actually forget about yourself, you think about
0: others, and you become what's called, boom a people person. Yeah, it's really a service thing, isn't it? It is. You may think to yourself, well, how does that help improve my results? But remember, leadership is influence, and leadership is influence, and leadership is results through others. Yeah, you know when I started looking into my ability to be more of a people person, to increase that personableness, you wonder can I do it, and then you start leaning into it, and then you discover that with a bit of work and effort, that yes, you actually can. Connecting is a teachable skill, and I'd I think that over time you build that skill. It's partly natural for some people, that's true, but some people are are extremely gifted in that area and have a a natural talent. So let's just recap some key messages that we've heard so far. Leadership is critical because anything worthwhile that you achieve in life, in in every area of your life, will be with and through other people. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm. What is leadership? Leadership is influence. How can I develop my ability to influence others? Develop the skill of connecting. How can I develop my skill of connecting? Learn to value others. And that is a shift in perception. Take you out of the center and place others at the center. If you want to lead, you have to be the best. If you want people to listen to you, you've got to impress them. But influence is not about impressing people. It's all about connecting with people. It's not a logical thing. It's, it's an emotional thing. Remember, we said at the beginning that people are emotional beings. They're not principally logical. They're principally emotional. And to understand how to connect with people emotionally, we need to understand that. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are, and we're all different. See, we don't see the world as it is. We see it the way we are goes a long way, doesn't it, towards explaining why we don't get what we want. We get what we are, doesn't it? The implications for this are enormous. We haven't got time to explore them now. Just take a moment with us, though, and think about this.
1: You know, we do. We see the world the way that we are. I spoke briefly at the beginning about my research into beliefs, and beliefs are really a fascinating area to look at. And we tend to think that our beliefs are a reflection of reality. But they're really not. Our beliefs are a product of a learning process, not a reflection of reality. Our beliefs are the result of internalised environmental experiences. We become the product of our environment. And the beliefs that we then hold then filter the world we look upon. You know, we receive billions of bits of information about the world every second. And almost all of it is filtered out by our subconscious mind. Ever listened to a clock in a room? Then stopped hearing it? Then consciously tried to hear it once more? And then there it is again? Well, who's deciding what your subconscious is filtering out? Where do these programs come from? Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Seeing. To a certain extent, at least, there's a self-reinforcing relationship between the two, and we are part of that. I don't like to say anything that I have not investigated to be true to the best of my ability. When my son Gabriel was old enough, I thought I'd test this hypothesis. So I, I said to him, he was about three, I guess. And I said, Gabriel, have a look at this picture and tell me what you see. And for a moment, I was a little bit worried what he might say. Now the picture was of a glass jar, he looked at the jar of the picture and we've all seen it and immediately said, Daddy I see fishes and I said, how many fishes can you see Gabriel and he said, three and I said, where are they and he pointed out the three fishes and so I said, can you see any more? And he said, no, I don't want to look at this anymore, Daddy, and walked off. <laughs> now, the implication to this with regard to communications are, again, enormous because we all see the world differently. Now, the, the picture that I showed him was what we all know as the nine dolphins in a jar. And depending on where you frame from, you'll see the fishes, you'll see the nine dolphins, or you might see two couple in an, in an embrace. Now, this is a simple example, but it really underlines a powerful point in that we are all different and we all see the world differently. We all have different beliefs, different values, different things are important to us. We have different passions, expectations, and tolerances. To ignore this when trying to connect is to miss the whole point of connecting. Connectors understand this. They know they have to connect with people on common ground. You see, if I talk to you about my beliefs or my values and they're not yours, you're probably not going to be that interested intellectually. But there's certainly no emotional resonance. You can't relate to me and you don't have a good feeling about me. And regardless of what it is, if there is nothing there that we connect with on common ground, then we're not going to get along. Worse still, if I violate one of your beliefs while I do it, now not only do you not get a good feeling, you actually create this bad feeling about me. Now, no one wants to be told that what you believe is wrong. And if you challenge someone's belief directly, you are going to get their back up. And if they call beliefs what they really value, they will probably want to kill you. This is the ego in its stripped down, raw. It wants to exterminate everyone that doesn't agree with it. So if you want to connect with someone, you've got to go to them. You have to go first, and you need to connect on common ground. This is the leader role. Where our beliefs and theirs intersect, that's common ground. We can connect with them here, and then take them where we want them to go. But if you don't connect, they won't go with you anywhere. Now, this takes a lot of energy. It takes energy to connect. There's an investment necessary, but that's true of anything in life. You have to sow... With an expectation of reaping but you have to put the seed in the ground first you have to invest first to be able to get
0: a return we're running out of time so we're going to have to leave it there but hopefully we've covered some information that you'll not only find interesting but given you some ideas that you can start using right away
1: so one of those core principles of connecting with others is really is about finding common ground, finding things that you have in common and then being able to explore the relationship from there. And if this discussion has really unearthed something in you that you'd like to know more about, we'd love for you to get in touch. As we say, we run a full-day program on connecting and communicating, especially for leaders to help you unearth the things that are within you. Reach out to designedalliance.com.au and we would be happy to serve you to help you get the best from you for your team it's great to be with you again.
0: thanks for listening to the transformation station podcast if you found our content valuable you can subscribe and give us a five-star review so others can benefit from the content too all our episodes and other valuable transformation information can be found at our website transformationstation.com.au